John 14, 13. Jesus said, Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatsoever you ask me that I'm going to do for you so that I can bring glory to the Father. Lord, we pray your blessing on your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that it will flow like a river of life in this place and every other place. We pray this morning that your word would transform and change people's lives and bring them into a living relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace that you've extended to each one of us. And thank you for the wonderful privilege of being able to hear your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name. Of course, there's another place that you must ask according to his will. The early church in the book of Acts is really our model church. Whenever the church wants to learn some great truth of God's Word and how to practice certain things, the best place to look is in the book of Acts in the early church. Jesus chose a few ordinary men and he taught them and he trained them because he knew there was a time that he was going to go back to the Father and his work, his ministry had to continue. He chooses these men and he teaches them. Then he goes to Calvary and he's crucified and he's raised again on the third day. He then appears to these same disciples who he had been teaching and the Bible says he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Spirit. Receive the Spirit. It was at that moment that the disciples were born again. Because you have to be born again by the Spirit of God. Jesus made that very clear when he spoke to Nicodemus, a very religious man. He said, Nicodemus, except the man be born again. He cannot even see the kingdom of God. He's blind. He's been blinded by the blindfolds of the devil. Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so these disciples were then born again of God's Spirit. And Jesus says to those disciples, I want you to go down to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait until you receive power from on high. And then, of course, we read on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given, from those disciples flowed a river of life that brought change wherever it went. Now, these disciples were ordinary men, carpenters and fishermen. They didn't have a million ways of doing things. They weren't highly educated. They were just Ordinary men, and that's the way God always works. He doesn't always pick the best. He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He uses the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. So never think that you don't have certain gifts and you don't have certain abilities that God can never use you. 
You're the very person that God will use. And so these disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And there was a tremendous change in their lives. You see, they had an encounter with the Lord Jesus. And I believe that every single person in the church today needs to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never been born again, you've never been converted, you've never repented of your sin, what you desperately need today is an encounter with the Son of God. Some of you have been sitting in church for many years. You grew up in the church and automatically you thought that you are part of the church and that you're part of the Christian community. But listen, you have to be born again. Every single person who's born again sitting in this place and all the other places this morning, should be able to look back and know that there was a certain day, a certain time that you had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to remember the, the, the specific day and time, but you need to know that along the way there was that experience. If not, we will make room for you today to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. These disciples understood when Jesus said, I'm going to give you a great commission, a great purpose and a great plan for your life. And that is you're going to go into all the world and you're going to preach the gospel. You're going to baptize men and women and you're going to see that they get filled with the Holy Spirit. That was a great commission, a great mandate that God gave to these ordinary men. And they must have understood that there's no way that they can do it in their own power and in their own strength. They did not have the ability to reach the whole world with the gospel. They were living in a small place. And so they must have uh, thought that it, how, did, how, how would they possibly do this? But then God gives them a revelation. And a revelation, He gives them three sources of power. And those three sources of power is still available to the church today. You see, one thing we need to understand about the church is there's no such thing as laity and clergy. The minister's not above the people. We are all believer priests. And really, this is the whole plan of God. When Jesus went back to heaven... The book of Acts says the things that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, he's not finished teaching and he's not finished doing. So now he goes back to the Father. He sits on the right-hand side of, the, of God the Father, a place of exaltation, but his work must continue. And now it must continue through his spiritual body. When he was here on earth, it was through his physical body, but now it is through his spiritual body, the church. That's why Jesus said, greater things than I did, you will do. We can reach more people uh, at the same time than Jesus ever could by himself. And so the church must continue to do what Jesus did and taught. It means everybody must be involved in the Great Commission. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is all about redemption. Every story, every verse, every exhortation, every challenge is just about 
God's great story of redemption. We need to wake up as a church. We need to realize the power and the authority that God has given to each one of us as individuals and not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in our society today. People talk about all the needs that we have and all the things that people are so desperate about and and all the wickedness that we see and and, and the horrible things that take place. And, And people are always trying to blame one thing or another. But the issue, the problem is the heart of man. Because the Bible says the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's out of the heart of man that perceive evil thoughts, fornication, murders, lies, and adultery. What our generation desperately needs is a changed heart. And only Jesus can do that. Hearts need to be changed by the power of God. And these early disciples did exactly what Jesus told them they were going to do. He said, you're going to receive power in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all over the world. And you and I here this morning as a testimony of that prophetic statement of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were faithful. They were committed. And today, the gospel is spread throughout the world. Now, the three sources that God gives for power You see, the moment we think we're strong enough in our own strength or we rely on our own wisdom, we find ourselves in a lot of trouble. We desperately need to use the source that God has given to us. And the first source for power is God's Word. Last week, uh, uh, I was looking at what Tim was going to preach there this morning, and he played last week's, um, we we played last week's message. And I, and I sat alone in our, in our auditorium, and, and I played it, and I thought, my, what a great message. What a great message he brought to you last Sunday. What a privilege for us to sit under a young man who can preach the word like that. You see, it was not just the theology. It was also the fire. Folk, we need fire. We need fire in our church. Fire in the pulpit. Fire in the, in the worship team. Fire in everybody's life. The church needs to be set on fire. Oh, I know some of you looking at me say, that's strange. But what did Jesus say? What did Nick, I mean, sorry, what did John the Baptist say? He said, I baptize you in water, but he who's coming after me is greater than I am. And he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Fire. What a tremendous message, and we thank God for the ministry that is given to him. God's word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word never returns empty and void, but accomplishes the purposes for which he has sent it. God's word, sharper than a sword, divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerns the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. God's word gets right into your depths of your soul and your mind and your spirit and reveals exactly what's going on in your life. The gospel, according to Romans 1.16, is the power of God unto salvation. And if you look at the early disciples, they were not ashamed of that gospel Their lives were threatened. They were in danger to be thrown into prison and even to be killed. But they were not ashamed of the gospel. 
And that's why Paul says, I am not ashamed. I do not blush. I'm not embarrassed about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because I know it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. That word power comes from the Greek word dunamis, from which we get dynamite. And that's what the gospel is. It's dynamite. It blows to smithens the power of sin. It blows the prison door off and sets the captive free. How can we be ashamed of such a gospel? The Word of God is powerful. Very powerful. The Bible is God's written Word. And Jesus is God's living Word. And the living Word and the written Word never contradict one another. We must cherish the Word of God. We must read it. We must meditate upon it. We must know that in our lives, as soldiers of the cross, we, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. It is that which we can use to overcome. Every time the devil attacks us, we can defeat him with the sword of the Spirit. And that's how Jesus defeated him in the wilderness. When the devil came to Jesus, Jesus was alone, and he was hungry, and he was thirsty, and he was physically weak. The devil tried every trick in the book, and all Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written, and he had to leave, defeated by the sword of the Spirit. God's Word is powerful. Next time you go out with your boy, friend, and you think he gets too familiar, put the Bible between you and him and see if he's got the courage to get past Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. God's Word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Men rise and fall, and they make names for themselves, and thousands of people bow down to them. But listen, they disappear, but God's word never. Hallelujah. It's the unchanging word of God. Some people have said to me in the past, I can't wait for that day when God will speak to me. They've just sat 40 minutes under the preaching of the word. That is God speaking. God speaks through His Word. Amen. So, uh, as Pastor Tim preached the whole week, uh, last Sunday, the whole message was on the power of God's Word. The second source of power that He gave the disciples was the Holy Spirit. When Jesus told them to go and wait, they went and wait, and the day of Pentecost was fully come. It says that there was a release of the Spirit of God. And these men all stood up, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, they weren't speaking, uh, they weren't giving messages in another language. They were all doing the same thing. What it was, they were praising God in all the languages that were represented there that day. You see, in the Old Testament, God brought judgment upon the people because they wanted to build a tower and get into heaven. So we pulled that tower down, he, he dispersed them, and he changed their languages so they could no longer understand one another. But here on the day of Pentecost, something supernatural happens. God overrides that, and he makes sure that every person from around the world that was at that celebration would hear the disciples declare the wonderful works of God. What was it? It was praise. It was praise. They were praising God. And folks, that should be a result of every one of us when we're born again. From our innermost being must flow rivers of living water. 
We must never be ashamed and shy to praise the Lord. Stand up for the name of Jesus. Shout the name of Jesus. Sing about the name of Jesus because He is our Lord and our Savior. They were all baptized. And they received power. We need power to be witnesses. Power to praise. Power to worship. Power to do what God wants us to do. Power to walk. In every aspect of our new life, we need power. We cannot do it in our own strength. We will fail. That's why we need to have the power that God gives us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these people looked at them and said, these men are drunk. And I've always thought, why would they accuse those men from being drunk? Because on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God was released, that river was released and they began to worship and to praise God. You know why? Because it says in the Scripture, it says, and when it was noised abroad, they were noisy. They made a lot of noise. Didn't you know drunk people make noise? You can, you can walk past the hundred shops. When you come to the bar, the bar is more noisy than any other place. Silent people suddenly become noisy when they've had a couple of shots in. And so when they heard the noise, they saw these people noise, they said they're drunk. But Peter gets up, he says they're not drunk. The bar's still closed. This is that of which the prophet Joel had prophesied. In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon your sons and your daughters, upon all flesh. They shall prophesy, they shall dream dreams, and your old men shall have dreams. Young men shall have visions. God is pouring out His Spirit. He's ready to pour it out upon His church. So there's a, there can be a fresh new fire burning in every place. That when people come through the door, they must know this is a different atmosphere altogether that they've ever experienced. God is present. God is in that place. The Shekinah glory of God is filling His house and the power of God rests in that place. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not drunk, but they're on fire. Actions that cater to the flesh are not anointed. God doesn't anoint the flesh. He does not anoint carnality. He's looking for people who will be spiritual. People who will step over the line and surrender everything to Him. Because if we desperately need the anointing of the Holy Spirit today. Amen. The disciples were anointed. In the Old Testament, the Spirit used to come upon people. In the New Testament, He flows from them. A mighty river. And so the second source for power is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I can't understand why people are looking for signs. Don't worry about tongues and talking. Just get baptized with the Holy Spirit so that you can have power to overcome every attack of the devil. And the third Source of power, and I want to touch on that a little bit longer. The third source is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The Bible says, because he humbled himself, therefore, 
Wherefore, therefore, therefore why? Because He humbled Himself. He humbled Himself unto the death of the cross. Therefore, the Father has highly exalted Him and bestowed upon Him a name that's above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every single one shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Father has exalted Him and given Him that name. And today they use it as a swear word and as a curse word. But the day is coming that every knee is going to bow. And everyone's going to confess some unto damnation. But they're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This power in Jesus' name. Let me tell you what I think is a good way a good focus for the church is that God the Father must get all the glory. You must remember God said, I'm a jealous God and I'll have no man rob me of my glory. That goes for preachers. It goes for all of us. He must get all the glory. Read the life of Jesus in the New Testament. Everything He did, He gave the Father the glory. So God the Father must get the glory. God the Son must have the preeminence. This meeting must never be about any individual except Jesus. It's never about the worship team. It's never about the visiting preacher. It's never about anything else. Never ever about those things. It is about Jesus. And Jesus is the greatest draw card of all. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Stop the gimmicks. Don't you know that when we sing about Jesus, the atmosphere changes? Yes, if many amens this morning. We believe that. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We all have to be saved. We all have to be redeemed. We all have to be converted because we've all sinned and we come short of the glory of God. Outside of Jesus Christ, you cannot do anything that will bring glory to God. But once you've been born again, you become a new creature. And from that day on, you begin to bring glory to God the Father. Amen. No other name whereby you can get saved. Not the Pope, not the priest. Not the pastor, not the elder, not the church committee. Only one name. The name of Jesus. Whosoever. I love that word. I'm right in there. Every one of us fits in there. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not maybe, not perhaps shall be saved. It doesn't matter who you are this morning. It doesn't matter to what depths you've fallen. It doesn't matter how deep you are in sin. It doesn't matter how much rebellion is in your heart today. I can assure you, if you call upon the name of Jesus, you will be saved. I remember when I went to church, I've been drinking for many, many years. I was living on the streets. And I went into a meeting and they preached. They preached Jesus. And then I was drawn to Jesus. And then they said, call on His name. And I called upon His name. Listen, I've been in alcoholics' homes. I've been in teen challenge. I've been in all those things as a young man. 
But nothing helped me because I don't, didn't really want to change until God's word convicted me. And when I called in that name in a service just like this, I called upon the name. People crowded around me because they knew me and thought, oh, now we've got a big sinner here today. But nonetheless, they prayed for me. And I'm calling that name. God changed my life. When I walked out of that building, I was a new man. All the old things have passed away and everything has become new, brand new. Hallelujah. And I preach that all the time because I still believe that our God is a miracle-working God. I still believe that today, irrespective of what you've done and where you've been, He can transform your life. He can give you His peace that is full of joy and unspeakable. Hallelujah. God can do it. Power in the name of Jesus. No other name. That name, Jesus. Jesus. I consider myself to be spiritual. And, and I tell you, some meetings are just better than other meetings. And I, and I found that over the time, it's when we sing about Jesus. Not about ourselves, but about Jesus. Things begin to happen. Hallelujah. Salvation. Jesus' name. There's healing in the name of Jesus. Now, I can't explain uh, healing to you. Now, I can't give you any reason why you're not healed. I don't know those things. But what I do know this morning, that is healing in the name of Jesus. You see, after those people, on the day of Pentecost, Peter was a coward. He, he, he denied Jesus in front of a young girl. He had no backbone. And, and when, they, when they said, I, I know you, you've been with Jesus, the Bible says he swore. He was a believer. But after the day of Pentecost, he received power. And now he stands in front of all those people, thousands of them. He says, you with your wicked hands, you have crucified the Lord of glory. Now every one of you repent. And the Bible says 3,000 repented. Gave their lives to Christ. That is the birth of the church. Just after that, Peter and John go up to a temple to pray. And on their way to the temple to pray, there's a man sitting at Gate Beautiful. He's lame from his mother's womb. He's 40 years old. He's never walked. I don't know how many years they took him to the temple to sit outside and to beg. He probably thought the religious people are kinder than other people. And there he sat and he begged and begged. And every, it's, it's an amazing thing to think about it. That every week, the, I don't know when they had the meetings, but these religious people with all their doxology and all their theology and all their do's and their don'ts and all their uh, correct policies and, and all their religious garb going to church week after week after week. And the man is sitting lame from his mother's womb and they don't even pray for him. But one day, thank God for that one day, Two ordinary men come along. Peter and John, and they go into the temple to pray. And they look at the man. And he stops him. He wants, some, he wants some help. And they look at him and they say, silver and gold we don't have. But what we have, we can give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, rise up and walk. And the Bible says immediately his ankles were strengthened and he was healed instantaneously. You know what he did then? He started leaping. Someone said to me one day, this dancing in the church is not, is not scripture. I said, no, leaping is. 
Can you imagine those stiff, starched religious people sitting in a synagogue that morning, going through their rituals, when suddenly the door bursts open, and a man who'd been sitting outside for many, many years, helpless, hopeless, now comes leaping and praising God. There's healing in Jesus' name. Let me tell you the rest of the story. The people looked at them and they were astonished. They were marveled because they knew this man for many years sitting there. And now he's leaping and he's completely healed. So they gathered around Peter and John. And Peter and John sees immediately there's a problem here. He says, why do you look at us? As if by our hands and our wisdom, we have made this man whole. Why are you giving us the glory? Why are you patting us on the back for something we never did? He said it was in this man's name. It is the name of Jesus that made this man whole. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus brings healing. Many, many people sitting in church this morning, have been healed in Jesus' name. Some don't even know it. And I'll tell you why. Nowhere in the New Testament does Jesus promise an instant healing. He can because He's God. But what He promised, He says, you, He's talking to us, the church, He says, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I said to people, we have, we have miracles every week because we, people come out, we pray for them, they're sick, and two or three weeks down the road, they're better. How do they get better? Let's give God the glory. He's healed them. Blind Bartimaeus sat along the roadside. Blind. Terrible. And he hears Jesus coming. He's probably heard by somebody that this man is healing the sick and he's casting out demons. And he and hears he, Jesus come here. He says, Jesus, you son of David, have mercy on me. People say, shut up. You're making a noise. Listen, listen. We have a little bit of a change in churches today, but there was a time when somebody gets a little bit too excited. Uh, the elders and the, the boys quietened them down. I say, man, if you beat rock bottom... If you're in a place of desperation this morning, shout it out loud. Jesus. Jesus. The son of David, have mercy on me. He says, what do you want me to do for you? That's what Jesus said. He wanted him to be specific. He needed food. He needed clothing. He needed a place to stay. He needed to be specific. What do you want me to do for you? That I may receive my sight. His eyes were open. Nicodemus could. Listen. Jesus heals. Heals sovereignly. Heals through prayers. Hallelujah. Don't ever doubt the reality of the fact that Jesus Christ, God's Son, today still heals the sick. The third thing about Jesus' name is that demons are cast out in that name. I was listening to a very well-known uh, man on television He's on sports. He's an African man. And he was talking there. They were interviewing. And he said, you know, the problem today is that people are full of demons. And I don't know whether he's born again. He speaks like a born again person. But that's true. 
There's no more, there's no border for wickedness anymore. There's atrocities everywhere you go. Look how they're murdering the young people with fentanyl. Babies and, and, and women are being captured, uh, uh, kidnapped and then sold by the millions, not by a few. This is our society today. And it's amazing that Jesus did three things. He preached the kingdom, he healed the sick, and he cast out demons. I, I watch a, the police program on television, and, and every now and again they have a, a young person who's murdered his father and his brothers and sisters. How? How is it possible that a young man, 14, 15 years old, can murder his whole family. That's abnormal. It's demonic. And here Paul and Silas were going down the road preaching to preach the kingdom. And there's a woman coming behind him and says, Hey, these men are the servants of the Most High God. They've come to show us the way of salvation. That's what they were coming to. And you, you think they would say, Oh, we're getting publicity. No, Paul has discernment. He looks at the woman, he says, this is not the woman speaking. There's another spirit in her. And he goes up to the woman and he says to the spirit, he says, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. The Bible says immediately that spirit came out of her. And she was set free. And her masters were furious because they made money out of this woman. Even the demons are subject to the name of of Jesus. Listen, I, I'm, I've come with a, a little bit of the old school. I'm, I'm a little bit down the road. And I have cast out demons of people. Not expecting that they were demon possessed. But nonetheless, the power of Jesus that He gives to the church is to cast out demons. I was preaching in a conference in the kingdom of Lesotho Massive all they were having a lot of meetings, and I was there with a, with a, a, a band that I used to preach with. And um, I had one session out of the, all the time that they were preaching, and I preached on the power of Jesus' name. And I preached how the demons and hell trembles at the name of Jesus. And as I was preaching like that, the whole place burst out, and people started screaming, and people were going against the walls. The demons were coming out of the people. They were getting set free from demon possession because in those countries, there's a lot of witchcraft and stuff. And Jesus was delivering people. It was, it was so powerful that the missionaries who were doing the conference said, they want me to do the whole conference. But I didn't because I knew it doesn't need to happen the next moment. But there's power in Jesus' name. When you come across somebody and you can see the wickedness in their eyes, don't just try and send them someone. Pray for them. Pray that the name of Jesus will deliver them. Of course, what happened then, they went to prison because they set someone free. If you criticize that, you're just as bad as them. If you say, what nonsense is that? You're critical. The reality is people still get demon possessed but Jesus name can set them free there's only one name that gives us access to God the Father you can't go to heaven in my name it won't work it's the name of Jesus you see the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man and that is the man Christ Jesus Mary is not a mediator 
The Pope is not a mediator. No pastor, no priest, no evangelist is the mediator. One! And his name is Jesus. You can enter into the throne room of grace and mercy, and that's what you're going to receive there, grace and mercy. And the way that you get in there is in the name of Jesus. God, I come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. When you say that, God listens to what you have to say. There's power in Jesus' name for all of us for today. Power to walk straight. Power to live right. Power to be bold in the kingdom of God. We must draw from these sources. They must become a reality in our lives. We must no longer be ashamed and care what other people say or think. Bartimaeus did not care what they said. They said, shut up. You're making a noise. He knew he had a need. And Jesus was coming past that day. And only that day something good was going to happen to him. And he called upon that name. And he was healed. This is your day. I'm going to ask you to stand as we close. This is your day today. Someone will come and appeal at the end for those who want to be redeemed. But I want to pray for those who are sick or be struggling with some kind of sickness or disease. And I want to pray for those who are bound. Some area of your life you are in bondage and it is the devil that has bound you. Deep down in your heart you want to break free. You're sick and tired of living that way. You're sick and tired of the prison door being closed on you. You want to be free. We're going to take authority over every work of the devil in the mighty name of Jesus that today you will be delivered. Oppression, depression, possession, whatever it may be, God is able. God is able to deliver. To pray first for those that are sick. Maybe you know someone that's sick. You put them in your heart right now. Father, we thank you this morning for the power of Jesus' name. And Jesus, you said, Whatsoever we shall ask the Father, you will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We know that you are the great physician, you are the mighty healer. And we pray this morning as we stand before you in our sicknesses and our illnesses and the things that have held us captive for years. We know that you can heal us today. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name right now that people will be touched by your power. And from this moment, they will recover from every symptom of that sickness in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. Pray for those this morning who are held captive, crying from the very depths of their hearts to be free, but don't know what to do. I pray this morning, dear Lord, that you will set them free, that the anointing of the Spirit of God will break the yoke today, that today you will deliver them, you will pull down the strongholds of the devil. We come against it in the name of Jesus. And we pray that today, the work of the devil will be destroyed in people's lives whether it be oppression whatever comes from him we bring it to Jesus today and in his mighty name we set the people of God free he whom the son sets free is free indeed I'm free I'm free I'm free 
Jesus has set me free. Thank you, Lord. Let's give them a good thank you as they come up to close. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name.